Hello and welcome to Flamenco Attitude. This is the podcast where we give you all things flamenco. In the previous episodes, you may remember that we've covered uh, flamenco art, a very important kind of visual part of the culture. We've talked about guitars and guitareros, which is an incredible topic given that there are so many masters in the in the craft. And we've talked about various flamenco adventures. Uh, because Marcos, who is my co-host, has been to Andalusia uh, ever since he can remember, you know, going there almost every summer, every year. And he's gathered a lot of incredible stories that we kind of peppered throughout the podcast and more to come because he keeps going. So I'm sure we'll have more incredible tales coming up. But today we are sort of starting, I would say, a string of episodes that will talk about particular performance. And in the past we've covered it when we've talked about Paco de Lucia, for example, and Camarón de la Isla. Uh, and today we will cover the life and art of somebody who, just looking at one of the CDs that I have in front, I would personally say he looks like a model, <laughs> like someone who is very, very well presented visually as well as, as, well as an incredible a guitarist and a performer. This is Vincente Amigo. Now, somebody who probably we don't talk about enough uh, as we talk about artists in the podcast and play music, but we're going to correct that today because we're dedicating the whole episode to him. We're going to cover where he's coming, where he's coming from, what type of music he performs, what he moved on a little bit later on in his career, and of course, more, uh, many more interesting things that Marcos will tell me, especially his collaborations with other important artists of the genre. So without any further ado, this is the episode on Vincente Amico. Now, you mentioned that he was born not where most people think. Because that's interesting to me. How can you think that someone is born somewhere else when they're born well, where they're born? Well, because he's so associated with Cordoba. Is he? Everybody thinks of Vicente as Cordoba. We don't talk about Cordoba enough. No, maybe we should, but we, we yeah. will in this episode because, you know, we're going to have a track of El Pelli, you know, with, with Vicente. They're both from, from Cordoba. Let's say where he was born. He was, he was actually born uh, in Seville province in Guadalcanal and he transferred to Cordoba at an early age. So he he's sort of Cordoba by choice yeah. and by the number of years he's lived there. And, of course... As a child, he used to play around the famous Plaza del Potro. So that's really where he, he gets it all from, where he starts to establish himself. And I suppose what we can say, to put him in context, context he's one of the great maestros. He's a, a sort of successor to Paco de Lucia and Manolo Sanluca, who had a very big influence I, on I, him. I did get the impression that he's from a younger kind of generation of artists. Yes, the next generation. Because yeah. you got the revolution yeah. that Paco did. Yeah. You know, he tore up the rule book for flamenco. You know, so you before him, you had, you know, Sabicas, Nino Ricardo. Then this man, Paco de Lucia, comes mm. along, brings in harmonies, massive technique. And, of course, if you're a young boy like Vicente, you think that's the norm. So you, you just start when you're about nine or ten oh, well, I'll, I'll just copy Paco de Lucia off the television or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what well, I've got to get to. You don't think, wow, that's a massive step. No, that's where it is now. And so he starts to adapt this and create a new school. But I must, I must say that Manolo Sanluca is also a very big influence on, on his compositions. But when you listen to him, he doesn't sound really like either of them. But you know the influence is in there. And of course, Vicente 
moves to Cordoba where he grows up and in Cordoba you've got the, the one of the greatest ever guitar makers. You were talking about guitareros yes. before and obviously one of the most sought after guitars is a Mamo Reyes guitar. Yeah, from, I love how you say these things. Well, in 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 Cordoba, right in the centre, is a very famous square, the the Plaza del Potro, and that's where uh, Mamoreus used used to make all his guitars till he moved to another studio elsewhere. And of course, Vicente would have grown up with this, knowing that he could probably get a very good guitar because he was a young person living locally, and he becomes famous because when we listen to his albums, and I know. Galia, you're going to play some tracks. One of the important factors on that is not just his incredible technique and the sound he can produce with his left hand, mm-hmm. but it is those guitars that were built in, in Cordoba. You know, very few produced each year of the first-class quality, uh, very sought after. In fact, other guitarists we're going to talk about in the future, Tomatito, they've all got one and they look after it like snooker players look after their cue. They don't, That's a good analogy. They don't leave it lying around. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Okay, well, what shall we kick off the musical um, choices with? Well, I think we could... For Vicente, I think we should keep it light and show his t- incredible technique. Let's go for a rumba, Limon de Nata. As I mentioned in my intro, just looking, just looking at his album covers, and uh, that's an L- um, LP cover that you have here, like a vinyl cover... He, yeah, do you like the way I've brought down some vinyl? I, I've brought, I've loved the way that you brought down your whole collection, but I probably got more. Um, but you do. I, mean, but I'm I sure think we've got do. about do quite a few examples. Vincente there. Amigo, I, I know that this obviously everyone's different, but he looks more like a, a Latino perform. Just the way he looks, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the typical he's a very, gypsy uh, well, hair. With no, he's uh, got fair hair. He's, he's, he's a, got fair hair. Yeah, well, he's not. A, he's not a gypsy, but he's a very good-looking man. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. He looks like a model or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the album covers are very visual. Rather, they're very, <laughs> very visual, and he, um, I suppose, looked up to many people in the genre that he worked with. Yeah, I mean, obviously he would look up to to Camarón, very much would have been a massive influence on him, and then of course later on, he gets to play on the best-selling album of Camarón, Soy Gitano. And he he performs we're this wonderful. Talk about yeah, this. It's, it's, it's a fandango but, which we're going to talk about. Yeah, when does his career actually start and takes off? Well, in in the in the eight, in the eighties, there, there was a guitar schools going on in Cordoba, and the people queued up to get into to learn the guitar and improve their ability. And they they saw this this young man, um, you know, just hanging around the streets, and they thought, "Wow, what a player! We've never Ooh. seen anything like it." And it starts from from that point that he starts to get an incredible reputation, and what he what he does is he's we it, this is we won't make this too technical. Okay. But the guitar is normally tuned in a particular tuning, which is called standard tuning. Yeah. So most players are playing in standard tuning. Occasionally they change one or two strings for certain pieces, one and to a different note. But Vicente, I think, was very influenced, strangely enough, by. Uh, I would think English and United States folk music where mm. they use what are called open tunings. People like Joni Mitchell, you know, she retuned the guitar completely. Yeah. So if you retune it, if you went to play your normal composition on it, it's not going to work. It's all going to... So it's quite a complex thing. And Vicente started adapting that 
into his flamenco. Rather like Paco de Lucia, when he started playing, he looked outside of flamenco to other forms, to jazz, to sort of invigorate what he was doing and make his, his sound different while still sticking to the real tenets of flamenco. Mm. And you think Vincente Amigo, in a way, his style is different. His music is a bit different to the traditional, traditional... Oh, very, yeah. of Yeah. Yeah, very. I mean, completely different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do people react to him? I mean, he, he must have a good fan base. He's still relatively young. I mean, I ch just checked out he's 55. Yeah, he's got a, a massive following, um, not just in, in Spain, but outside of Spain. Yeah. He, he's very big. He's a very big artist. Um, you know, he, he sells a lot of records. M lots of people that don't necessarily follow flamenco. They know of Vicente Amico, mm -hmm. uh, a bit like Paco de Lucia. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's like up there, up with the gods. Up with the gods, yeah. okay. Well, let's talk about then the track, his favourite track, because that's on the album of Camarón. Well, yes. Now, Soy Gitano obviously is a work of art. Yes. And he, he plays on, um, you, you corrected me, it, It's I think it's called The, the Oldest Fish in the The Oldest Fish? The Oldest Fish, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a fandango, and he does it absolutely beautifully. Um, I've seen him o often on Southern Andalusian TV on Canal Sur, mm. accompanying Camarón. So people always associate Camarón with Tomatito, but he, Camarón had many, many guitarists who, who worked with him. But Vicente has done, you know, obviously he, Camarón wanted him to do that particular style on what was going to be a mega album. And so we, we've got to play that, that uh, oldest fish Let's have some old fish. Let's talk about the time you actually met him. You must have met him when he was probably, you know, well established, but very young. Yeah, he was in, it would be, I mean, off the top of my head, I was hoping to find a, a magazine that I could tell you about, but I, I've got so much stuff, as you know, I couldn't locate that. But it would be, um, I think it would be in the, in the late 80s or, or early 90s. Mm. Um, I, it was down oh. in London... Uh, in Kensington at the uh, Royal Commonwealth Institute and he was doing a, I think it was a lunchtime uh, concert and I can't remember how but I just got involved with, with him he was very nice and uh, and I I showed him uh, how I was writing this monthly article on, on flamenco in this magazine and I showed him how I'd written out one of his licks You see, mm -hmm. all in tablature, and he was like, "But how did you, do you, you know, Make he, he just, you know?" And then he he signed this. He was just sort of really, on. He just thought, "So you, you've worked all of this out?" Oh yeah, it's all been worked out. In fact, it's worked out by a, a colleague of mine, but I put it in the magazine. And you don't think he was against it? No, you? no, he was very flattered, you know, mm -hmm. and because the page looked nice because it had a picture of him some writing and then the little the, the slick you know which would only last probably about 30 or 40 seconds yes. but an example of how to copy his technique and um so he, he was very pleased with this so he said to me well come on let's let's go round let's go for for a drink in london you know let's go and see london so we went out and uh, had had a very good chat and it was you know it's, it's the only time um i've ever met him You know, but we did spend you know a good time because he had he had plenty of time because the concert <coughs> was over by midnight. What, what did you talk about, like mostly? Well, you know, flamenco. That's all we ever talk about. Isn't yeah. it? You know, the great. But and, I mean, what's in what in particular did he say? Anything that you know stayed with you, kind of? 
Ooh, that's a difficult one. I think he talked a lot about about the, the importance of how Paco de Lucia had opened everything up and how Manuel Sanluca was a brilliant player, things like that. You know, and he talked about his plans and you know just general general sort of things. He's more interested in seeing London. Um, no, I'm sure, but because he, um, well, we're going to touch upon it later on. He kind of delves into other genres. And the you mentioned the eighties and the nineties. Now the eighties and the nineties were kind of the boom of uh, Latino music, also being very popular in, on the market, especially in the you know European market, the United States market. Do you think he was influenced by that? Do you think that helped him in a well, way? Well, he's certainly somebody like, like Paco that listens to um, all kinds of music. Yes, yeah. you know, um, these people are. As somebody once described Cameron, they're sponges. They take in all this stuff um, and then produce something new from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. And then, of course, uh, he in the early nineties, I think it would be he he starts to develop a relationship with El Peli, uh, you know, this singer from Cordoba. And I know you're going to ask me about this album, which is my favourite of all time. I'll ask it, but who is El Peli first? Well, he's a singer. He's a very famous singer from Cordoba, uh, one of the greats. And they they had a partnership, and not to be confused with Pele. The... No, that's Pele. Exactly. <laughs> We're talking about Pele, yeah. not Pele, the footballer. <laughs> um, and they, I mean, I can't really describe to you what this uh, album that they brought out means to me. Uh, you know, it's we it's it, always yeah. going to be my favourite. You know, I mean, you can probably check the year on on the back of that. We'll be clear on when it was released. Well, I mean, com um, that's just the CD. That's just the CD. Yeah. yeah. Probably haven't put a year on it. Not nothing that I can see, at least mm. first. <clears throat> well, I it it says nineteen ninety. That yeah, could that be sounds about, right. right. I did say the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I've also got the vinyl version of this, of course. We will because I double checked. We don't have. Um, available to play for you the track that you yeah. love but we can substitute for something from Pele yeah we're going to play uh, another El Pele with Vicente Amigo and of course later on we'll talk about the incredible album he made with Remedios yeah, and sure. we'll talk about Churuturai but back to this but one but before that we're going to hear Ire con Vielto that's a tangos so uh, there I am I'm, I'm in the centre of Seville there needs to be a, a record shop that sold, you know, flamenco records. You don't seem to see those anymore. Shopped, you know, just full of flamenco. And I get this new record. And I travel to a village called Jimena, Jimena de la Frontera. And when I get there, uh, I go to a large bar that's in the centre of the square and go in, have a drink. And coming out, in blaring out the speakers was what I call, you know, terrible pop and rock music. You For you, by the way, Marcos describes everything <laughs> as terrible music, yeah. yes. So I said to the owner, why are you playing this in the middle of Andalusia? And he said, well, what do you suggest then? Yeah. I said, well... What's your alternative? It just so happens that I've got this uh, new, new CD. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put it on. So he puts it on, people look round, you know. And then a, a man comes in, uh, a middle-aged man, it's called Juan Rebolledo, who was a kind of um, confessionist and used to sell clothes and all of that. And he, he says to the man, the owner, well, what's going on here? You see? Well, this is incredible. Who, you know? And then he said, well, it's that man there. 
he just brought this in and he wanted it put on. Oh, that's amazing. I must have a word with him. Right? <laughs> and then we became great friends and then we started uh, getting together to put a Peña, a flamenco club, because the, the village had no clubs, dedicated club. We had to meet up in a restaurant. And his ambition was in his lifetime to get funds to build a, a Peña flamenca. And uh, he did that, and I used to go there a lot. And, you know, and it all, it, was, it seems to all come up out of really this Vicente Amigo record, you know, that he was like, and he said, oh, the lyrics on that and everything. Just what was like, the record? It's that Poeta de Esquina Blanda. Poeta de... Yeah. yeah, I'm going po- to... Poet of the, of, the, of the Soft Corners. What I will do is, um, obviously, I said we don't have it available. No, but through... we're going gonna... to... If you're listening on Spotify, you won't be able to hear it. However, I'm going to include a link in the description to the YouTube um, version of it because I'm dead certain it will be on there. Uh, but, yeah, what are the lyrics like? Is it... Um... Well... There's a, there's, there's a fantastic fandango on it mm. where El Pelli sings you know, one of the verses. He says, well, um, my youngest boy, I bought him a guitar. I wanted him to, to start yeah. learning flamenco. You know, <clears throat> and then it ends with the punchline, but all he wants to do is to play on his computer. It's all that kind of, oh you know, it's... I think we've talked about it before. Possibly, We yeah, must yeah. have done. They're all metaphors. Of, <laughs> yeah, know, we um, must have done. And then he sings a very serious song where he talks about he goes out into the countryside and plants a flower in the asphalt, in the tar. It's all, you know, they're all, as I say, they're all metaphors of of different things. Yeah. And this is in Jimena. That happens in Jimena. So, you know, everywhere I go, I cause some trouble. Yeah, that's for sure. Or, or, Or stimulate interest for people to to do great things. Sadly, at the moment, the the Peña is closed, but we're hoping to get it going again. Is it too early to talk about Vincente Amigo's legacy? He's still going very strong. He is, and, you know, I mean, you couldn't read out the titles of some of of those records of his, like these ones down there. I mean, they're all superb. I I love the title of this CD, Ciudad de las Ideas. And then you've got Vivencia, Imaginad. Yeah. We have Cordoba de Soleil. Yeah. That's nice. Um, and then we have um, an Alegrias here. La Tarde el Caramelo. Mm-hmm. I love that. And uh, all of these are top productions. You know, Bolero de Vincent. Yeah. Is Bolero, a little diversion, is Bolero anything to do with flamenco? Is it a genre? It is, it is sometimes... Because I've heard of Bolero, but not in the yeah, flamenco. Yeah, it's sometimes adapted into flamenco, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's, you know, I mean, I haven't got every record he's ever made, but you would agree it's quite a selection. Flor de la Noche. Um, yeah, good, good, it goes for very uh, deluxe titles. Exactly. Well, if we if we judge by his style, he is that sort of poetic, yeah. really poetic. I think I may call this, because uh, I started naming these episodes more after we have a chat uh, than setting them in my head before that. That may be called The Poet of Flamenco. Flamenco. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, very much so. The poet yeah. of the flamenco genre. Um, okay, talk to me then about, um, because we are talking about, in a way, a legacy. Um, he may be a, a good role model for younger flamenco artists. Oh, yeah, I mean, up. already he's he's influenced, another, I mean, he's of another generation now because it's a new generation yes. that, that's come on from that. 
but he's left a body of work <laughs> and of course he, he'll carry on making more and more more and more records um, I think what we should do though is because we're trying to do the Canthi as well another of my favourite records which you have found yes. is of Remedio Samaya with Vicente on the guitar and this track when it came out on this album I played it over and over again Turu Turai and of course um, uh, he progresses with his career more into folk music you told me now yeah, he's he more involved to, yeah. in that sort but what type of folk music because folk music is different depending on where you are in the world of course. well I've got to confess that yeah. I, I, I haven't heard any of his stuff but he's got involved with, with uh, he's been on the bill with various uh, folk artists from England and things like that he seems to have got quite into that which is not unusual in a way because if you think Paco moved out of or didn't really move out of flamenco, but he drew, he looked across to the jazz musicians and other things like, and as you say, the music of Latin America yes. to to enrich what he was yes. doing. And you know, Paco famously said, you know, if we keep flamenco the same, or it will be the art It'll of the museum, yes. be a museum yes. piece. Yeah. And so you have to so diversify. Yeah. So yes. Vicente's done that. Uh, no doubt, there'll be probably an incredible uh, flamenco record on the way. Yes, and I want to finish with... I, I think that's a record that you told me about, but you forgot, so now we're going to play it. I really like the title. This is Reino de Sia. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, another episode under the belt. Thank you so much for joining us for what I feel I would call the poet of flamenco, Vincente Amigo. We'll see, but that's pretty much... The, the, the tale um, that Marcos told me about his career really inspired me, and just judging by some of the titles of his songs and the music that I will listen to later on, seems to me that he truly goes for the poetic sound, not just metaphors or not just the technical, pure um, version of flamenco. He really diversifies, as we say. Until the next time, whether you listen to play or learn about flamenco, remember to always follow the beat. <laughs>